This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 124 with Adrian Dolo. Where to begin? Where to begin? As you may have noticed, Thank You Heartbreak has expanded to include stories that go beyond romantic heartbreak alone. So it's heartbreaks of various types, whether it's finding out that you yourself have an illness or your parent has an illness, losing a child, losing a parent, the heartbreak of addiction, the shame within that, how shame is heartbreaking itself. This story here comes out of the heartbreak of an absent father. One of the striking moments within this conversation, though, does relate to romantic heartbreak. And it's something that I really want to throw out there and I want all of us to consider. And that is kind of the expectation of who we are supposed to be for our partner and the expectation that befalls. Is that the right word? Sometimes I don't know if I'm ever using the right word, but let's just go with it. The expectation that befalls men within a relationship. And I know, I know, and I know, I always have to say, I know, I know that I'm not trying to overlook women, but here's something to know about me as your host something different that I bring into the conversation, that I bring into my work as a breakup coach that deals with people going through heartbreak, is that I made a conscious decision. I mean, it didn't even seem conscious because it's just so naturally me to not only work with women. Now, there's a lot of female-oriented businesses out there that in their effort to be inclusive of women and under really this vibe of inclusivity, they have decided to exclude men by saying that they only work with women. Now, I'm not that way. I work with men and women. And with that said, I am a man fan, which means that I have had a lot of male support in my life. I've been able, and I think it's a very fortunate position that I've been in, to somehow be a woman that men open up to. And maybe that's because from a young age, I kind of looked like a boy. I was very much a tomboy. So maybe it started off there, but just slowly developed or easily, effortlessly developed where I was someone that got close and got deep with men very quickly. I credit my father a lot for this, for being kind of a man's man, but also being someone that just was sensitive about the world, was open about how much he loved me how much he loved my mother, his wife, and also how much he loved the men in his life. He was someone that always spoke aloud. He always thought aloud. And that to me is just the most treasured experience in the world. So because of that, having men on this podcast is 
just given to me. And with that, I am going to highlight moments in men's life that I think get overlooked. We often talk about how women are put into this box, how women have the short end of the stick, how they have these expectations that limit them within relationship. And I don't think that we ever consider the boxes that men are put into, the expectations that they grow up with, the way that they are silenced as well. I don't hear these conversations being had. And so something that was really striking within this conversation came later in the conversation. And again, I said that this was a conversation about the heartbreak of having an absent father, but also it turned into romantic heartbreak. And while my guest was not complaining about this, to me, I could not help but single it out. And that is that a man is often meant to be in a relationship, the shoulder that a woman leans on. You know, they've got to hold it together. They've got to support. They've got to listen, console, but just be there, be the strength, be the rock, but be the shoulder. And I really want to ask you, Who are you for the men in your life? If a man is a shoulder for you, what are you for him? And what are you for him emotionally? How are you encouraging him to open up? How are you encouraging him to break out of the confines that he's been put in? Are you asking questions about the limitations that he has felt like he has kind of been raised within? Please. I don't want to get too carried away with this. I don't want to overwhelm us. But these are questions that we have to ask ourselves. How are we empowering the men in our life? What are we doing for them within our relationship? Instead of asking what they're doing for us finally for once. In 2019, what are men doing for us? No. In 2019, what are we doing for men that is emotionally driven, that is sensitive, that is being aware about, again, how they too have been limited in their life, how they too have been boxed in? All right, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for going on this journey with me. And thank you for being open to who I am. Who I am is not like every person that you're gonna come in contact with. The advice that I give, the perspective I come from, the stories I'm interested in, the sensitivities that I have are different. And they're also similar as other people, but they are also different than other heartbreak coaches you will come across, other dating advice that you'll get, other self-empowerment messages you'll have have other females that have a business of their own. And I just thank you for taking a chance on me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also real fast. I feel like I just need to slip this in here. There was some sound quality issues. Once again, that happened. And well, this is just the human element of it all. This is not the perfect podcast. I'll just tell you that. Also, something that I left in is the beginning of our conversation where you, you'll hear it. It's a little bit awkward, hilarious, uh, a slight of mission of love, I think. I You'll hear it. You'll hear it. Um, I ended up seeing what my guest looked like and maybe just my heart fluttered a bit and I got a little bit sidetracked and something slipped out of my mouth as I was asking him to introduce himself. Again, a human moment, a funny moment. I decided to leave it in. Enjoy it if you will. Thanks, guys. So I would love you. I would love you. Oh, my God. That hasn't happened before. So I... (laughs) Oh, my God. I told you I was obsessed with track stars. Okay. (laughs) So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. 
How you guys doing? My name is Adrian Dolo. I'm a young entrepreneur building a few different businesses, and I also work with this beautiful company known as Revolution Financial Management. We're a Fortune 500, which means we're pretty much too big to fail. And um, I'm here to share my heartbreak. Too big to fail? Wow. How did you get into that? Um, I've grown plenty of network connections in the business and financial industry. It all started when I met Ricky Andrade. He's a Forex trader, one of the best, actually. And uh, he was hosting an in-person seminar that he invited me to. And there was just a bunch of heavy hitters there from guys like Lucas. I don't know how to pronounce Lucas's last name, but from Lucas to Andrew and, you know, some of the top Amazon FBA people and scalers in the game. And I met this guy named Sean Gunner and he helped Ty Lopez scale his business to over a million dollars in sales. And, um, he got connected with them and he had hit me up. He was like, yo, this business would be amazing for you to get started with everything. Like it'll just shoot you. So I was like, well, bet. Send me to the meeting. And I joined the meeting, got connected with them. And the more I researched them, I found out we're closely related and connected with Ed Milet. So it just gets better as it grows, you know? Wow. So it just took off. You yeah. made a connection. They believed in you and you just took off to the races. That's exactly how it went. Is there any part of you that hasn't believed in yourself in terms of business and had to kind of tackle some aspect? Truthfully, and I think this is in a lot of people, but yeah, definitely. Like going into this business, even this business, before I even hit my entrepreneurial side of things, it's like I didn't know how good I would be in the sales settings because I did a lot of online marketing where I would do like affiliate marketing or Shopify or something like that. So it's not as hands-on, you know, that's just people either following your traffic or people clicking on your link to get to the product. But now I'm creating closer business relations with people inside of this business and really closing those deals and closing those gaps. So there were times when I thought, I don't know if sales is fully for me because going through a lot, I'm not fully like a people's person. I don't really get along with people, but people have always tended to like my energy and my vibe that I give off. So it brings people close to me. It's a learning experience. That's exactly how I could say it. It's really a learning experience. Wait, this is just so interesting, though. You don't like people, but people really like the energy you give off. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's like one of the craziest things ever. Like, I never understood it, but I feel like that's God's work, you know? You may not always like something, but it may be the best for you. I just accept it. Have you changed over time in terms of your people-person abilities? Do you like people more? Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but... It allowed me to be more selective with the people that I hang around and I associate with. So like Mm. the people that I'm really close networked with in the business field and like even in close friendship relations, these are people I would go to the ends of earth for. Everybody else is like, yeah, I see you. I know we're sharing this world together, but I can keep it pushing. But with the people that it's allowed me to get close with, I really share like a special bond with them. I see a piece of me within them. Mm. So are these more virtual connections or because you said that you're going to be moving to Southern California, is there any nerves about starting over in a new place or are you going to kind of have those people still with you somehow? So I'm moving with two of my real close friends because I got them into the same business that I'm in. So I'm moving with them. Mm -hmm. But as far as starting over, I've taken a lot of big trips and big moves in my life where I've essentially had to start over. 
like born in North Carolina and I moved to Cali around like the age 10 or 11. That one was a huge culture shock, environment shock and all those things, but I'm good at adapting quickly, which is a benefit to me. I can get to the flow of things and fall right in the line. But me and alignment don't really sit well together. I'm always out. Mm. So in terms of adapting easily to locations and environments, are you someone, I don't know if you've been through it, but are you someone that sees yourself as if you went from like a serious relationship to being single, that you would be able to adapt easily? Because some people kind of have this shock to their system and they feel like something's just been taken from them. Their life has just been taken from that. Yeah, I've went from a very serious relationship to single and in, in like the traumatic way, I could say, like how people go through something big and then the relationship's over. Mm-hmm. I've been in one of those. And truthfully, I tried to hang on to it for a little bit to fix those broken pieces, but it didn't work as well. So me back reconnecting to the world as a single person, it wasn't too hard because it's just the flow of things. It's just how you shape your mind mentally. Everything's really just a mental battle. So As soon as I got over that quick mental, well, I don't even want to say quick because it lasted a bit, but as soon as I started to get over that battle, I felt I was back where I needed to be. I could be single and I could last on my own. Mm. I'm not one of those that can leave a relationship and jump into the next one quick. It doesn't sit right with me. The ability to jump from one to the other, you're saying? Yeah. Okay, so once you're able to confront the mental part of it and be comfortable being single... If your ex had reached back out to you, would you be open to talking to her or do you kind of just like leave it in the past and never open a door again? Well, I'm kind of blessed, I could say, because that hasn't happened. And I feel like those situations, truthfully, depending on how it went in your relationship, that's really the judgment of it. Like with the way my relationship went, I wouldn't open that door again because it was a real toxic is the word that's used a lot right now. I don't like using it. It's definitely used a lot. Yeah, like people overuse it, but... That was definitely one of the more toxic relationships in a sense. Like there were a lot of mentally challenging words used against each other. There were a lot of false emotions and fake given emotions. So that's like one of the relationships I pushed back. But I feel like people with those small childish fallouts and things like that, if your ex gets back at you or chooses to forgive you or vice versa, I feel that's a door that can be open. It's just a sign. You know, everything has stepping stones to it. Yeah, I think about how there was this one relationship of mine. It was my longest relationship. And he was a very passive guy, a nice guy. And yet I just became angrier and angrier. I'd never been angry like that ever in my life. And so I guess in a way, it was a quote unquote toxic environment. I mean, it was just, you know, I was, to be honest. And it's interesting how I've never like reached back out to kind of acknowledge how I was or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So how sometimes in situations where you hated to see kind of what you, the places that you went to, that those are the ones that you just kind of swear off. I mean, I talked to his family. It was weird. His mom recently told me, oh, I was talking to him and we were saying how much we love you. I was like, what? <laughs> Does he not remember who I was? <laughs> And I wonder if sometimes the toxic relationships, though you might go a long time not ever turning back to them, I wonder if there's anything healing and eventually reaching back out at some point. Truthfully, I can definitely say there is. Like A lot of people are against reaching back to figure out what the issue was or Mm -hmm. where things went wrong. Mm-hmm. But if the two of you are, you know, mature enough for that, and as you said, you felt you were the toxic one, if he reaches out or you reach out and you know, find out why they still think they even love you, that's something that 
can either rekindle that relationship or can allow you to use into your next relationship and more think on. If I had the chance, I would kind of say I would see what, you know, our major issues were because the more you grow from those situations, the easier it is to step into your next relationship and know how to handle that. You know, those toxic ones, those are the ones that scare people from putting themselves back out. They mm-hmm. don't know what they did wrong and they sometimes can't figure out if the partner was actually the wrong person. Right, right. Yeah, I think that feedback is a great, I wish we could all take like an exit questionnaire or something where someone had to fill things out about us that we could look at, you know, we could go into the archive, you know, five years later or three years later and be like, I just wish I had feedback. What I think gets people the most is people have their own narratives about things or they subscribe their own meaning and they're convinced by that. And that's what plagues people. And so it's like, if you could get two people on the line to tell their version and that could repair a lot. To see how kind of how we misinterpreted so many things. Definitely. Like there's a lot of things in life that are very therapeutic. Like even when I told you how writing back to you was very therapeutic for me, there's a lot of things that can truthfully help people. But it's not until we all, even as a society, put our pride aside that we will ever be able to gain all of these things and gain the better side of us. It's all about really just pride and how we see ourselves. It's so much about pride. I mean, just not even serious relationships. It happens so early on for people just in terms of online dating or just any of it. It's just the pride so early on that happens with people that happens like through an app like Instagram even. You know, the way that you use that technology to kind of send a signal or not send a signal and make someone feel small, all this stuff. It's like, oh my God, what are we doing? Definitely. You know, it's like, I had recorded a podcast and I talked about like the box society puts us in. And that's really, that really falls into that. Like we just enclose ourselves in this huge box. And we, the fact that the box hasn't moved and nobody's opened it yet allows people to feel comfortable. in. It. But mm-hmm. those that realize the box and how, you know, it's shaping everybody and turning everybody into the same closed minded or stuck kind of people. Those that see that are the ones that try to achieve better and achieve outside of that. And, I feel that's something a lot of people need to check. Like Michael Jackson said it the best. He's talking to the man in the mirror. I feel like everybody needs to begin talking to the man in the mirror. And as soon as they do that and take those steps back, only then you can truthfully step forward. There's no forward success without a few steps back. That's good. Yeah. Is there anything that you kind of, this revelation that you had about yourself, like, uh, what do they call it? Like a coming to Jesus moment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I get that right? Yeah. yeah. Did you have one of those that really significantly helped you pivot away from one part of yourself into a new version? I feel my losing of faith and finding faith was really one of the biggest things that shifted me, if I answer that right. It was kind of after the relationship as well, because I just felt like into a deep depression, truthfully, because there was so much and there was so much that wasn't answered at the same time, like how we spoke about. And it just made me feel I wasn't enough. And that was that was also the toxic side of part of the relationship. I felt I wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And then when you start having that on your mind, the law of attraction says whatever you really think about and feel emotionally you attract. And so I was feeling that I wasn't enough. So in multiple aspects of life, I was feeling I wasn't truthfully enough. But when I started to look at myself and figure out who I am and who I really wanted to be, what I wanted to pursue in life, it started to shape me. And then from there, I really had to come back and find religion. You truthfully don't find religion. Religion finds you. You know, it leads you to where you need to be. And the more I started to seek out myself, the more I became connected with everything around me. So 
it allowed me to open back up into who I am and who I believed I was and not what they thought I was. Mm. So like a returning to yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I believe in that. A situational out-of-body experience, you know. You really lose yourself for a while. I feel everybody needs to lose their mind. I think I had quoted this on Instagram one time. I was like, people always say it's okay to lose your mind. But the question is for how long? It's okay to lose yourself. It's okay to lose your mind. It's okay to, you know, feel insane at points in time. But it's about how long are you going to stay that way? Because those that continue to stay that way, they continue to remain lost. They've lost themselves. Those that do it for a good amount of time to regain themselves are the ones that keep themselves whole. And they can come back the same person, but new mentally. Mm. That's really smart. I mean, I feel like when I've written about the decade of my 20s, it was a lot about losing myself, not wanting to be a different person, but just wanting to return to how I was. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was about losing track of myself or losing access to my life and to people. And I think that you're right. I think that that can be fine. That's part of life. But it's about shortening the time between finding our way back. It took me a long time or even just extended use of pills, for example, like Adderall. Like that went on for eight years. That really, really sidetracked my life. That was so hard to overcome. And if I had just done what was in my head earlier on, it would have been a different story. If yep. I had just done taking care of it within a year, different story than eight years down the line. And from a young age at different aspects, you know, in eating disorder, all this stuff, it's like I always wanted to try to help people come alive or come back to themselves sooner than I had been able to. Because I've made something of it because I didn't want to resent myself or regret my life, but it's very challenging right. to wait a long time. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I'm still young and I was afraid that Truthfully, this was one of my fears going through a lot of the things I went through. I was afraid that there were going to be lifetime things. As a kid, I used to deal with a lot of anger. I just used to have a lot of anger and hatred towards the world. But then I wanted to change all of that. And that lasted for a long time up until I moved from North Carolina to California. And that culture shock allowed me to look at myself and say, okay, you have that chance to change now. What do you want to be? Mm. I that as my opportunity. It's all about the opportunities that we choose to take. You know, they're always there. It's just about us seeing them. They may not be there in the form that we want it to be, like the beautiful, happy ride, but they're there. Just got to take them. Right. I forget what the line that is used often. Yeah. The idea that like you can pray for something and that you keep on being so fixated that it needs to look the way that you think it's going to look, that the way that it's supposed to arrive. And a lot of people miss, like you're saying, the blessing or the opportunity. Yeah. They keep on looking for it to look the way they want it to. And it's often yeah. not. I think yeah. I have that quoted somewhere. Evan Almighty, they had a scene that said that the best. It was when um, his wife was talking to God, who was played by, I believe, no, Morgan Freeman. And he was like, when you ask for forgiveness or you want your family to forgive or something like that, does God just zap you with forgiveness or does he give you plenty of opportunities to forgive? And do you take them or do you miss them? That's how he selects it. Mm. And that stuck with me. And I was like, wow, that's so true. Wow. Now, did you watch that movie before you went to your grandmother's funeral or after? Um, I watched it before. Wow. So did that inform that trip at all and you meeting your dad for the second time? It saved me. It gave me, yeah, kind of it did, truthfully. It made me want to be open to the outcome. It made me want to accept what may come because it could have went either way. It could have went good or bad. So 
I went there as open as possible. I let everything from the past go on the way to that trip and got there and just accepted everything that came. What is it like being a young adult and walking toward your father and not having a relationship? You talked about not feeling like enough within your relationship with a woman. Right. Did that carry over as a son? Uh, um, truthfully, it was a sort of different feeling. Like not being enough in a relationship, it feels like you've let someone down. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I felt with the relationship. Approaching my father as a young man and seeing him, it's like, it's kind of the opposite. It feels like, man, you've let me down in this case. Yeah. You know, there were so many opportunities that you could have been there or, you know, you could have had with me, but you decided to tarnish that for your own good. Do you think that he's aware of that? Do you think that he thinks about that? From our meeting, yeah. From when we, he kind of expressed how he feels about that. But where his mind was and his focus was didn't really show that to me. I couldn't, I knew exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to get me to be there emotionally with him, but his mind was still focused on trying to get my mother back too. So it was like, you want to use my emotions to reel her and I can't let you mentally manipulate me like that. So is that why he wasn't a part of your life because your mom didn't want to be with him? He felt, is that what separated you guys? Yeah, I think, He wasn't a part of my life because of his mistakes. He decided to do something with another woman and had a couple of kids with her without my mom knowing. She's a stand-up lady. You know, I believe all women should stand up for themselves, and which is exactly what she did at the time. She said, I can't have that. You're just going to disrespect me in that form and expect me to be all around you, be all lovey-dovey, and, you know, accept everything, although you try to keep secret and you try to do this and have this lady here and all of these things. So Mm. she just stood up for herself. And truthfully, I can't say anything wrong about that. I believe everybody should stand up for themselves when the time comes. And she did that. So I'm proud of her. And it's, it sucks because it's like, I feel a lot of men, even in today's society, and this is not a sexist thing, but I feel a lot of men in today's society feel they should be able to live their life however they please and just have women be there for them when they want them to be there. I feel like a lot of men in today's society don't respect women for what they are. And a lot of my female friends, I've told them, I want you to know how guys think. And I've educated them on that. And I've told them truthfully that women are God, essentially, because you guys run everything. You guys have the only true ability to create life. So anything that a man even throws at you, you have 10 times the strength to overcome it. And seeing my mom overcome that, showed me the strength of a real woman. Mm. It sucks. It truthfully does because, you know, everybody usually has a father in their life. And when you don't have anybody to call on or to claim as your father, as their way due to their mistakes, you really don't talk about it. Everybody will bring up theirs or, oh, me and my dad did this. And you just have to sit there and listen. I mean, it helped my listening skills, but. Whoa, wait a second. It helped your listening skills. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, that's so, what a tragic statement. Uh, yeah, but. At least you weren't tuning it out. Yeah, you know, there's a positive in everything. Although I, I don't have the stories to tell you how to listen. And they say the wise man learns from someone else's mistakes. So mm. and hearing the problems that these other fathers have with their kids or these kids have with their father. It gives me the opportunity that when I have kids, I've learned so much from all of these people and my own experience that I feel I can be the best I can be. Yeah. No, I really believe that. I believe that. That's a good way of approaching that. 
Well, I've heard men say that a mom can try to kind of lend the father experience, like be both. Mm -hmm. But for a boy, like if he doesn't have that man, nothing can replace that. It just sounds like that's what you're saying. Was he always on your mind or were you thinking about him often or did it just become the norm that you became desensitized to it at any point, that he wasn't around? Well, with me, it was on my mind a lot because all of my siblings have had time to spend with their father and, you know, they were always able to hang out or they had times with their parents that they could recall with both their mother and father. So... It was always on my mind that I never really got that opportunity. And they became desensitized to it. They felt none of it. You know, like I was watching the movie one time with, I think it was my brother. And there was a kid who just lost his dad and he was always with his mom. And he was like, well, shit, everybody goes through that. You know, that's just the regular. I don't know why he's crying. And I was like, well, shit, dude, think about that. Think about how it would feel if you really grown up without your parent the whole time. And that's something I had lived through. It was usually always on my mind. And there was one time that I was really hurt when I had got into a huge family argument and I was super hurt. And like my mom was on my older brother's side and I had nobody in my corner and I went in my room and I was just mad and I had punched a hole into a wall and I was just asking why, like my dad was just running through my head. I was like, why couldn't you be here to show me the way and things like that? Like, why couldn't you be here to help educate me and prep me for these situations? I was yelling why and going through and thinking about him. There's those times where it's like, you really wish that figure was there because you never know what your outcome could have been with them. And what was your grandmother's role in this? She parented you at all or it sounded like you had a close dynamic with her? Yeah, she definitely, she parented a lot of kids, truthfully. <laughs> so she was your father's mom or your mom's mom? My mom's mom. Okay. And she was... Um, she was for everything, you know, discipline to feeding to educating. And she's the one that even introduced us to uh, religion. I have her name tattooed on my arm because I always want to keep her near me. I always want to keep her near and allow her to walk with me and show her, hey, this is what you created. And he's going to be even greater, you know. And she played every role. She mm-hmm. was the one lady that was able to play every role from mother to father. Wow. To pastor to discipliner, you know. So I always loved it. And then after she passed, it was like devastation. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know who to listen to. I didn't know who to go to for anything. And that's the point where I probably became very unsensitive. I felt nothing after she had left. And it was just a horrible thing for a kid to go through. And what were the steps to moving out of that and becoming sensitive again? Truthfully, to this day, I still struggle with those issues and I've lost a lot of people in my life and her loss is still something that sits on me heavy to this day because of the huge impact in my life that she had. And like, I lost two great friends and I just lost a girl who was like my little sister this weekend. And hers is the one that sits heavy. Losing the girl that was like my little sister, that's the closest one I can place towards my grandmother's loss. Oh my gosh. And it's truthfully because my grandmother introduced me to love. Although she would discipline me, she would love me like nobody else right after to make sure I understood why it happened, but know that I still loved her. And this young lady that just left, she showed me love. What love is like to have someone truthfully look up to you, believe in you, and, you know, want to be around you and with you as much as possible. And that's something I always wanted. And that she helped me become 
sensitive. This young lady helped me become sensitive. I cared for her. If she needed a ride somewhere, I would take her. You know, if she wanted to call me, call me, and we'll talk about whatever. And that's how it was with my grandma, essentially. Whatever we wanted to talk about, we talk about whatever. If I needed somebody to just hug, I can hug whenever, you know. But losing my grandmother to get back to being sensitive, it took a lot in me. I went through a lot of dark times, a lot of dark phases, a lot of aggression, a lot of anger. Do you feel that coming back after this loss? Like, do you expect that to happen? I definitely felt it right after I found out the news. I definitely felt that feeling again. A lot of me lost. A lot of me just went with that. But yesterday and today, I was praying major. Like, earlier today, I had shed some tears in the shower, and I was just wondering why. It felt like I heard a conversation between the young lady and God, and They were talking and she said, why is he crying? And Mm. he said, because these are the people that you've impacted. And she was like, well, how do I make him stop? And he said, all you got to do is touch him. And I felt them both touch me and say, stop. And it just shut down all of the tears. And like, I instantly stopped crying. And I told myself to stand up. And I was like, I can't stand up. And then I felt them say, stand up. And I got myself up, got myself together. And, you know, I started trucking through the day. That's powerful. That is really powerful to think that you could have this conversation that only you can hear that's beginning to guide you. Yeah, crazy, but a beautiful thing. A movie prepped me for this situation and it was Collateral Beauty by Will Smith. And it's about life, time, and death. And death was beautiful. You know, death is a beautiful thing if you look at it. And one quote that I can really use in this moment now that really hangs with me is when death was speaking to Will. And she said, nothing is truly dead if you look at it right. And the whole meaning of that was showing the collateral beauty and everything. Collateral damage is like a bunch of damage everywhere. Collateral beauty, although it didn't have a real meaning, the meaning was placed through the movie that there's beauty in everything. There's beauty in time, there's beauty in life, and there's beauty in death. When you find that beauty inside of it, and it'll help you push on. Because you can't live with hatred in your heart. You can't live with anger in your heart. I've tried. I failed. I failed at that. You know, love is in everything. That's something you can't escape. So you just have to find it even through the hard times. Now, do you channel what your grandmother or this young girl, do you think that you'll channel what they would have wanted for you? Oh, definitely. Definitely. What I felt my grandmother wanted for me was strong faith, always believe in yourself and always believe in God. Those days you can't believe in yourself, believe in God and he'll guide you. What this young lady implemented in me was always love yourself and those around you. And you're great. Just succeed. You know, every journey I've been on that I've explained to her, she's believed in fully. Every journey, every mission, every experience, she's believed in fully. Now it's just time for me to believe in myself as hard as they did. Right. Absolutely. That's a good message. I think it's so important, but sometimes people can only act if there's other people on the sideline cheering for them. Yeah. I've realized that at a certain point, it doesn't matter how many people are cheering. If I don't believe it, it doesn't get me far. Exactly. Yeah. Now, does moving help you in terms of grief as well? Changing your environment, knowing that you have this new place to look forward to? Um, Definitely. Moving to me is always a great new opportunity. I was saddened because the young lady is in California right now. She was in California. And I had came out to Texas. And then, like, this was probably the only move that made me feel like you made a mistake. But then 
I look for the beauty in it. And it's like, you would not be in any of these situations if you hadn't made this move. You wouldn't be able to create all those things you told her you you are going to create. Moving to me is always a great new opportunity to become and better yourself. Mm -hmm. You stay in one place too long, you become basically that norm. And the areas I've been at and things I've been through, I don't want to be those. So I always feel I have to get up and move. Now, did you know the guys that you are friends with that you gave this business opportunity to that are moving? Did you know them before you moved to Texas? I met Sean in Las Vegas at Ricky's event. I knew about him through social media, Uh but we finally got face to face at that event. And that was the first time we really, you know, conversed and dropped ideas on each other and really networked. And after that situation in Vegas, when we linked up, I had moved out to Texas with a guy that I had met and we were doing construction. So that networked me and I know a bunch of contractors now. So when I get ready to do real estate and everything, I have them ready to go. So I didn't know them prior to, but now that I'm in Texas, it even ended up more. And he found out I was in Texas. They gave me an even better opportunity with the fact that I'm in Texas because our head office is in Los Angeles, but they now want me to open an office out here in Texas. You know what? Let's do it. And did you say that you're going to do uh, real estate? Oh yeah, definitely. Wait, you're going to do real estate in California? I'm going to go to the hot spots. I'm going to have to go get competitive in the hot spots. I'm going to hit up probably like Southern Texas areas and probably some Louisiana and Atlanta. Really? Yeah. So you're going to be this traveling real estate guy? Oh, yeah, definitely. In addition to these other things you're doing? Oh, yeah. So do you believe in multiple streams of income? Oh, definitely. But the best way to have multiple streams of income is passive income. Your money's automated. You don't have to do as much work. That way you get to actually use your money. But how is it passive income in real estate? Oh, I guess like if, if you're buying up places. Is that what you're thinking of doing or being a broker? I plan on creating an agency actually and you know, having a team underneath me, a team of people who want to dedicate their life to real estate. Because me, I want to assist people in creating financial freedom. You to do that is by creating it yourself, you know. So when I get to that um, truly free form of finances, I'm going to keep just opening more and more doors for people. And when I get to that agency side of real estate, I'm going to place people in these different locations and we're just going to attack it so that they can get there and just build and build and build. Did you always see yourself at the top and then having people that, like you said, you open doors for them, but that essentially, I mean, you're the person that calling the shots and kind of delegating, you're the visionary, but there's people underneath you at work devoting their life to this one thing. Yeah, truthfully, I have seen myself at the top, but my version of the top, you know, some people see themselves at the top and they're they're everything. If somebody doesn't respect them, they're done. My version of the top is, yeah, I'm up here, but I'm just up here because I know I can help you get your dream completed. So if you want your dream completed, let's handle business. And you just do your action. I'll put you in position. You just complete the action. Let's handle it. I love that. That's cool. I'll put you in the position. You just got to complete the action. Wow. Now, how are men in your life a support system for you? Okay. That's a great question. Men in my life. They give me a great outlook on how men think. Me, I've spoken with a lot of elders, a lot of guys my age, and a lot of people even a few years older than me. And um, the conversations are always different, you know, from the really older guys, the guys who've experienced life. The knowledge they give you is more of figure out what you want to get done and do it. Figure it out early. 
do it early. That way you live better later because a lot of them, and they'll even admit to this, they had so many dreams, they had so many goals, but they never changed their situation. They always stuck to the norm. So they had to become those normal people. And that really encouraged me to stop doing what everybody else does, do your own thing and drive, go as hard as you can. And the guys a few years older than me, a couple of them are ballers, are hustlers. They're doing this thing. They're doing what I want to do. And those are the guys I really like to connect, the guys that are doing the things that I'm hoping to do and the things that I'm pursuing to do. And the guys ahead of me, they're really my motivation. And the guys around my age, this is really something I live by. If you're my age, you can't tell me nothing but your business. And that's really... Wait, if you are my age, you can't tell me nothing but what? But your business or other people's business. They're not talking about much. They're just talking about, I want to do this or I guess what such and such is doing. And those are things that don't interest me. You know, that's just wasted energy, wasted breath. We could be talking about a game. Let's conjure something up. There's something great out there. Why do you care about what they're doing? You're doing the same thing. And so the guys my age are people who I really want to escape. I want these older people to start asking me for my birth certificate because I match them so much, you know? Mm. How old are you? Like 22 or 23? I'm 20. Oh my God. I was going to say 19, but I was like, I'm not going to go that low. <laughs> 20. Oh my God. That's great. By my 21st, I promise you I will. I don't even promise. Promises are meant to be broken. I swear by my 21st, I'll be a millionaire. Wow. You swear. The last time I used the word I swear was at American Airlines, the gate, the plane had departed without me. And I said, I swear I was paying attention. And the woman said, don't you ever swear at me. And I told my dad this. He's like, how could you swear at her? I'm like, wait a second. I thought swearing was using the F word. I just meant I promise. Well, it was horrible. They said that they were going to put notes into the thing saying that I had sworn. That's so crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy but i like i like your sentiment to say the least i need to bet on myself more oh definitely definitely it sounds like your mentality isn't in your way like sometimes i feel like i don't have the mental stamina or to like get myself going at times because i'm so nervous about my current situation or something oh, have you ever no. felt like that yeah definitely there's days I wake up and I really don't want to do anything. And I just want to be there, just be exactly where I am. Or just, you know, throwing the towel, like I've made it far enough, but I, I can't, like something in me tells me I can't. And I feel like even you, you know, there's that something in you that tells you, no, I can't, I can't stop this journey. It's not done. After watching this Ed Milet video of his uh, daily routine and how he gets through a day, he has three days in one single day. So 6 a.m. to 12 p.m., that's day one. 12 p.m. to 6 p.m., that's day two. And 6 p.m. to 12 midnight, that's day three. And within those three days, you want to knock out a different task. And that just keeps you in check. And so after I set those alarms on my phone, even if I wake up at like 10 o'clock, I know what I'm supposed to be doing in that time frame. And as soon as the next alarm clock hits, it's like, okay, you want to lay here? Well, this, this is going to go off in your ear until you get up and do something about it. You've got to force yourself in those days. Those are the days you got to force yourself. And as soon as you get back in tune with the thing that you love doing, you just go. Nothing else will really stop you. You just begin going. I mean, I do feel like I cannot even see a day where I'm like, oh, yeah, once upon a time, I had this podcast 
and I was a breakup coach and I got to talk to people about really personal things really quickly. But that was just like, that was just like another life. I like, yeah. I just don't see how that's going to be a story I just talk about and was just like, oh, I try. Not yet, at least, you know? You can tell a great story off of that, truthfully, you know? You just gotta, you gotta shape it. And there's a few storytelling books that I plan to read and that I have read. It's, it's about how you shape it, you know? Who you were, you know, how you got there, why was this even something that came into your mind? And after you hit that, then you go into depth on how it's helped you and even helped other people. And now you got a huge story. It could be 60 seconds or it could be 60 days long. Yeah, I'm just not ready for it to be in the past tense, I guess is what I'm saying. Ah, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just can't imagine jumping ship into another career and then talking. I really believe something could happen and yet it just didn't really work out. You know, I think sometimes like that's gotta be the thing that motivates. It's like, you know, like that there's just so much more that you can take with something and it's on you to take it further. Mm-hmm. So I have a question going back to this, you know, the whole thing that you said about not feeling like you're enough at a certain mm-hmm. point in your life. Yeah. Now, I feel like that language is kind of the female tale I hear a lot mm-hmm. on Instagram. I see that a lot from women. It really is this narrative. I don't hear it as much come from men. Is this something that men talk about with each other, that sort of feeling? Or is it something that's really internalized? Truthfully, there's a lot of guys, and this is another thing about society, a lot of men are too confined in masculinity, so they feel they have to be as strong as possible, you know, even a guy that's been cheated on won't admit he's been cheated on. It makes them feel like less of themselves, so I feel like a lot of guys aren't comfortable yet with truthfully preaching who they are and how they felt, but me, I, I'ma just be honest, I just... There's no reason for me to beat around the bush. I know who I am. I know what I stand for. So I'm not afraid to be open about myself. I struggle with being open sometimes, but I'm not afraid at the same time. I'm an open book. You just have to ask the right questions. Mm, That's good. You struggle with it at times, but you're not afraid of it. Yeah. I've been in situations where, you know, opening your mouth at times can get you hurt, can put you in bad situations. But as soon as you learn how to talk and how to articulate the right way, you'll be fine. No matter the situation, no matter what you're up against, that can be against the wall. You'll find a way to talk yourself out of it. Mm. Now, do you find yourself ever feeling like, I want to get to a place financially or within my career, yada, 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 and then I'll be in a relationship? Or do you always have room for a relationship to pursue? Always. 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 I would love to be in a relationship. It's just about having that person, well, I don't even want to say having them. I feel finding a relationship is a self battle. You know, it's about you finally deciding to be open with that person. You finally wanting to allow that person and accept somebody coming in and helping and bettering you in the places that you need help. So me, I know I need help with opening up. And the person that I know will be meant for me as somebody who can open me up, somebody who can allow me to talk and be emotionally free. And that's one thing a lot of relationships lack, a lot of emotion. They don't allow each other to both be emotional or, or the guys to, you know, mask. He doesn't want to show that side of them. But me, I know there's some hurt things in me that I'd love to express, but I just choose not to. Nobody wants to hear a sob story all the time. I don't know. There's ways of framing a sob story. You know, I always feel like relationships, the obvious is that emotions are going to be expressed. Yeah. 
But you're saying that there's been times where you've been in relationships where you feel like you're meant to be the masculine figure there and it's not about you being allowed to express yourself? Definitely. I've been in a relationship where I felt I had to be the shoulder. I could never lean over for the shoulder. I just had to be the shoulder. See, these are the things that need to be spoken about, though. (laughs) That's a lot of pressure. And I can totally see where that happens, even if it's unspoken, right? Maybe it's just this constant thing where you're supporting. And then because there's never kind of the turning to you and say, okay, it's your turn, or asking, like you said, the right question, you feel like there's no room for you to ever want the same thing in return. Right. Wow. I don't know, man. Any person is selfish, but like, just sometimes I feel like women aren't exposed enough. I hate to say that. That's really selfish. And I know that it's not malicious and it's, it's not intentional. And I know that it's really flattering to be able to be the person that someone can lean on. Yeah. But it's also fucking stifling if you never realize that this is a human being too with a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, man. And I think that like, as much as people can hate on the fact that men are so masculine or whatever, it's like that behavior and not making room for them to be anything else. That's their fault. That's a woman's fault. Mm-hmm. Like men need invitations out. You know, they need to put down their thing at points, you know? Yeah. You know, a lot of guys, and I feel like this is another issue, but a lot of guys were never like women taught how to express themselves. You know, we're always taught bottle it up, go hit something, bottle it up mm-hmm. and deal with it. You know, we're never told, we're asked what's going on, what's wrong. It's always bottle it up, you're a man, hold it down. So with that mentality, it just keeps a lot of guys stuck. And a lot of guys don't want to do anything else except bottle it up. Like, I know there's a lot of ladies out there who get scared when their men are mad because they just hit something. You know, I'm one of those guys, I'll hit something if I'm mad. And that's something, you know, we were taught as a young. Don't expose it. Don't don't tell us why you're upset. Just get it out. There is a man that came onto my podcast and he was talking about how at 40 he had this, you know, break like this, how do I feel so miserable if I have so much? Mm-hmm. And he went back to this early example. And I think that sometimes with men, it can be one thing. And it was just, you know, going to a football practice and not being able to take it, like being beaten down and kind of laughed at because he was like the smallest kid on the team. Yeah. He said that he got home and he started crying and someone came in and it was basically, you're not allowed to do that. Figure it out. And he was just like, From that moment, it was, you're not allowed to have that emotion, not how do you talk? How do you deal with these emotions? It wasn't how do you process it and take it as like, this is actually how you're feeling. It's don't have these feelings. And it started this whole history of doing those things, which led to him lying about how he needed more emotions from his wife. And therefore he started having like emotional affairs. And then just, it went on and on. And he really went back to that one moment. And it's something you can kind of, I think some people can be like, oh, really? Like that one time on the football? It's like, yeah, really? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think that there are people in life, when something is said to them, they believe them. And that can be that moment. Don't Mm. show emotion. And you believe that person. Yeah. (sighs) Can definitely agree with that. Football, pretty brutal. I had to leave the sport. And it wasn't like I wasn't good. Or a lot of people know me for my football, but football was just, too much of a coach feeling they were everything to me. You know, when once a coach gets their role, 
they feel anything can be said, anything can be spoken about. Oh, you're hurt? Nah, you're just soft, you're weak, you're this, you're that. And me, I always play through injury because, yeah, just like that guy I was taught to, you know, I was taught to play through hurt, but at some point you just get tired of it. You know, you want to be hurt and to make that statement. And me, I'm about making statements. So I made that statement. I said, I'm done. I'm not coming back to the game. I'm sorry, y'all, but I can't do it. It shocked a lot of people because everybody expected me to go big time with football. But if I did go big time with football, I feel my voice wouldn't be enough. I always felt there needed to be more of me. You felt like your what wouldn't be in it? My voice wouldn't be enough. Your voice. Wow. Yeah. So you have a podcast now where you're obviously putting your voice into. Is there any other thing that you see for yourself that you'd really like to lend your voice to or, you know, a different medium that you'd like to have your voice take up? I'm on Instagram. I'm very like, I, was, I don't want to say I was, I'm very well spoken on Instagram. I usually express everything through quotes. And I used to just use a quote to express how I felt or the picture, the meaning behind the picture. But now I've started to express what those quotes mean to me. That's helped me get my voice across. It's helped people attached to those things. A lot of people kind of don't like it because now my captions are too long, but Oh, you know, the people who enjoy it will come. Yeah, you got to refer them to this New York Times article that came out a few weeks ago. And it was all about the long form captioneers being like the new influencers that people that just write these long captions. That's (laughs) you. That's you. You're ahead of the game. It's always what people are annoyed by now becomes everything that everyone has to do later. And you just got to stick it out long enough. You know? Yeah. So I coined this word break upward, and I'm curious what that word means to you when you hear it. That's a toughie. Like, <sighs> <laughs> I feel like it means breakthrough. Like, there's a few ways to go at this. I'm going to go with the one that's really, it's like breakthrough, but don't fall down. Just get up. Mm. That's, that's how I'm feeling about that. You know, break upward is like, it's going to break you, but anything breaks you, allow it to shoot you back up. Yeah, I feel like a really good visual is you in the shower visual and hearing these things recently where it's like you wanted to stay down and you heard this voice telling you to lift yourself back up. Yeah. And it's kind of listening to something that's beyond you. Yeah, that's exactly how I would take that. So tell my audience where they can find you. So you guys can check me out on Instagram at flash underscore 15K, Twitter flash 15K podcast, is hipster the midnight hour i'm available on that's spotify google Podcasts, breaker and i think one more platform and uh, you can also add me on snapchat at solo dola underscore 15 hey thank you for exposing as much as you did and for putting in that business aspect too i think that a lot of people they'll love to hear that part as well definitely thank you for having me i'd love to hear this Thanks for getting on here, especially with the loss that you just had. And if you ever need anything or need anyone to talk to, you know, obviously you can reach out to me. Seriously. Yeah, thank you very much. You're inspirational. Go make that million. Yes, ma'am. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, 
tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at breakupward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D.com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.